Pig X, Ideas in the Swine Industry Worth Sharing. At the base level, structural soundness is a key component of a quality hog herd. So what happens when you have a lame animal on your hands? How does lameness impact sow longevity? And is there a way to prevent lameness and increase endurance in your herd? Tune in as we answer all these questions and more. For today's episode of the Pig X Podcast, we are chatting sow lameness and overall sow longevity today with Dr. Mark Wilson of Zinpro Corporation, a reproductive physiologist within the global technology team, as well as Wayne Cast, who is a swine nutrition consultant and a nutrition support for PIC. Gentlemen, thank you both so much for joining today. And hopefully I did your titles justice, but I'd like you to each go a little bit more in depth with your backgrounds and your areas of research. And Mark, I'll start with you. All right. Thank you, Delaney. And it's a real pleasure to be here and be conversing with you and Wayne both. And my background, I'm actually a reproductive physiologist. I a lot of times get in circles with uh, nutrition companies and, and people involved with nutrition. My interest in it is, is because nutrition has such a big impact on reproduction and so do the inflammatory issues or diseases, any stressors on the farm actually also impact reproduction. And so I try to connect to both of those aspects in working with and dealing with swine production companies all around the globe. And Wayne, tell us a little bit more about your background. Well, I grew up in Nebraska on a family farm, and uh, I've been doing swine nutrition for, oh man, I bet it's been 40 years now. And so I'm probably more of a carpenter than I am an architect. So I help PIC with their nutrition, and then I have a whole four or five customers that I help them with their diets. So you both are veterans in the swine industry, it sounds like, by all accords. When you look at the keys to sow longevity, I know you probably both have an opinion on that question, but what do you think is the key to key to uh, sow longevity? Yeah, I think minimizing uh, condition loss and lactation is a, is a big part to longevity, and especially in those gilts when they feral their first litter. I agree with Wayne. I think that's a great answer. And um, I would add to it a little bit from the standpoint, if you take away things like what are the big reasons we have losses of particularly our gilts and our first parity sows, first parity sows definitely deals with particularly the nutrition factor. How much did they consume? Weaned estrus intervals tend to get longer. The second issue, though, is not just reproduction, but it is also this issue with inflammatory events like lameness, ulcers, these kind of things tend to take a lot of our animals out of the production scheme. And when you look at, Mark, causes of lameness, what are some of those that cause that in the swine herds? Um, if we take a look at, at causes of lameness, um, you can start with if you've got a, an animal that's got an incorrect structure, what that a lot of times will do will make them walk not the right pattern and that they won't have their legs running straight 
forward with each, each other. They might be turned out or turned in. They may have the issue that they've got too much of a, a rump slope. That tends to put their feet up underneath of them further, weakens their rear pasterns. They get into more trouble with then what they do with their weight distribution. Another thing would be the issue of uneven toes. We find that sows and gilts, particularly if we select, if they have very even toes, they tend to have a lot less problems for us on walking on concrete. They can distribute their weight better over both claws on, on each foot, both front and rear. So flooring becomes an issue and injury is an issue that all can contribute to this issue of lameness. And Mark and Wayne, this is a two-part question that I think each of you can tag team here, but how do you go about adjusting and resolving lameness within the sow herd? And how do you minimize losses in the sow herd or condition losses? Let me start with the condition loss first. I think that's a little more apparent and maybe simpler. Proper sow condition is paramount. Fat sows eat less in lactation and therefore lose more weight and and have poor fertility. And and so the industry has talked about sow condition forever. Now, Bill Weldon showed 30 or 40, 30 years ago, I suppose, that overfeeding gilts reduce their lactation feed intake. So why haven't, why that seems like it'd be a simple fix. Well, it's always been more subjective than objective. Now, here recently, Mark Knauer at North Carolina States has developed a caliper. It's a device to measure and estimate body condition in sows. And and it's more objective than visual scoring and much faster than trying to measure back fat. And this this caliper is gaining acceptance here and in other countries as well. And I think this getting the sow not over-conditioned before farrowing is a key part to minimizing condition loss. And I want to hop in here really quick, Wayne, and ask a quick question because uh, we talked on a previous episode about body condition scoring. Is that what you're indicating here with looking at making sure a, a sow isn't too conditioned heading into farrowing? Yeah, that, that she doesn't. Yeah, she's not over-conditioned going into farrowing. Yeah, this is a, a tool that's more objective in body condition scoring, more objective, less subjective. Got it. Okay. And so then Mark, when you look on the other hand there, you know, lameness is obviously not quite as an easy answer to identify, but what can be done to resolve that within a, in a herd? Well, the first thing that what you got to train employees to do is that if they're walking down through a gestation building or they're walking through a farrowing room, is that they're not just walking to go get someplace, but they're also observing every time they move by a sow and through a sow. What you'll find is there's several keys that are pretty quick to, to find animals that, that are problems with lameness, such as sows that if they're not real quick eaters, but they're one of the first ones to lay down, starts to give you a clue that they are tired. They can't stand up on their feet and legs as well as they should be able to. Uh, They've got pain there and they tend to not consume as much feed. Again, they get into body condition problems 
very rapidly when they carry chronic pain like ulcers, like lameness, and particularly we're focusing today on lameness. And lameness really adds to the problem of weight loss. And so this body conditioning thing, and it gives us more problems with longer weaned estrus intervals. And the other big one that it does is a lot of our, your most expensive female coming into the herd are gilts and first parity. So if we lose those animals, we never make the money back that if we could get three or four litters out of them, that would pay for themselves. So your cost of production for every weaned pig goes up. Lameness is actually a really almost unspoken problem. But yet when you look at it and start breaking it out, when you start adding up, when you got to move your replacement rate because of lameness, it is very, very expensive and adds to your cost of production in producing every one of those weaned pigs. That SMS group, the record keeping group, you know, their, their survey indicates that a third of our death loss is from lanes and downers. And uh, the other thing, well, you I would point out, it seems like sow death loss is much higher in periods of rapid, rapid expansion. And that goes back to Mark's comment about, you know, feet and legs and, and proper structure. So if, if we're expanding rapidly, that means we're keeping more gilts than we probably should. Mark, talk to me a little bit more about some of those financial losses, some hard numbers that I know you've got. Um, well, and again, it, it becomes very specific to the farm, but I can give you a rough idea to just give you some ideas how to start adding it in, into the formula. If you take a look for most people replacing a gilt, if they're purchasing gilts, they're about $300, just as a rough and easy number to use. If you talk and they are making their own gilts and breeding their, a breeding system where they're making their own gilts, they will be usually somewhere in this range of $175 to $200 for each gilt. So they don't have to have as many litters if they're producing their own gilt to break even, but they are still an expensive animal because if you can get past third parity, you now decrease the cost of each piglet you send beyond that. We also have another problem in this. Gilts, gilt litters, those piglets will never do as well and grow finish as the litters from second through fifth parity. So the real goal is we got to get them out of first parity, get into second, third, and fourth parity. Those are the ones that start really making you make money, building a better cost of production for each one of your piglets that you wean. And so there's a lot of facets, but it's intriguing because when you lose an animal due to lameness, your percent animals that you have to bring back into the herd gets higher. What that does is then you've got more gilts coming into the system. And so what you're doing to your grow finish groups is you're actually increasing the number of pigs that won't perform as well because gilt litters tend to not have the same 
hemoglobulin content, and a lot of them don't milk as well as particularly their two through four, two through five sows as far as total milk production. There's a lot of ways to look at the amount of dollars. That if we talk about just moving percent replacement, 4%, we will a lot of times show that'll make for the herd, each sow will make a difference of about somewhere between 10 to $12 an animal on cost of production. If I can just decrease the issue of replacement animals by 4%. And that's assuming our national average is somewhere around 54 to 55% replacement rate right now. So in Mark's example, he said, well, they'll just bring in more gilts. And so, so that, that could be the case. And, and then my concern, are they taking gilts with lesser quality? Uh, on feet and legs. And then the other part of it is, I say they're not bringing any more gilts in. That means the rest of the herd is getting older and you're breeding some sows that you wouldn't normally, wouldn't normally breed. You would call for reproductive reasons or feet and leg reasons. So, and when, when mortality in the late 90s, early 2000s, when sow mortality was even higher than today, very few culling decisions were made because the sows were making all the culling decisions for you. The one that you had to keep about everything. You were keeping all the gilts you could. You were keeping every sow that you could and, and maybe some that you shouldn't. When you're thinking about the kinds of gilts or sows that you want to raise, what are some key points to look out for? Selection, you know, selecting the right gilt is really important and then doing everything you can to keep that guilt in the herd. And, and that's proper body condition, that's maximizing lactation feed intake, that's feeding. And, and I tell you what, you, you sparrow a sow in the proper body condition and, and you put her in a, a room where she's comfortable with ample feed and water and, and a well-balanced diet, that goes a long ways for sow longevity. Yeah, I agree with that, and that's a good point. Here's another good point on gilts that will help you with an analogy that when we get to summer, what happens is most people build up their gilt flow for summer because they have a poor reproductive response out of gilts with the extra uh, temperature, et cetera. What you'll actually find in a lot of these buildings, though, you get in there, what they've done is actually crowded the gilts up so they don't respond to the bores as a heat checking and the bores near as well. And so what you do is you start pooling a bigger and bigger pool of animals there that are not animals that are actually ideal for selection to go through the herd and actually become these sows that will perform well the rest of their lifetime. So there's all kinds of ways that get into this issue, but lameness actually starts to drive a lot of these because they get short on breeding numbers. And so then it's like, oh, we better put some more animals in. And then what you'll watch is they'll come out of the summer and they'll have way too many animals bred, way beyond their capacity for the farrowing rooms and creates a lot of extra labor from that standpoint. Um, one more, and this goes back on Wayne's body condition thing, which I am 100% agree with. 
you can get those animals to eat more feed, what happens is you can decrease what we call our non-productive days. For each non-productive day that you have in the herd, it costs you about $2.50 to $3 a day for that sow. If you take a look at that and look at a lot of our first parity sows, there's a lot of them in a lot of herds that aren't even in estrus by day seven. That's adding up to this thing that you can change or move this issue. So if, even if I only move as a whole herd, two tenths of a, a day, that means I'm altering, if it's off of $3, I'm altering 60 cents decrease in production costs by lowering this thing. So Wayne telling you, you gotta make sure you get these sows fed correctly and that they get to eat a lot of feed is really important. It'll change your cost of production. we've gone to self-feeding in sows, which has made a big difference. Even though we would feed multiple times today, a day, a self-feeder has been, has shown to be a huge advancement. You know, I, I do see, see some things that you got to kind of keep an eye out on these self-feeders. One is that make sure that they can operate, manipulate it, operate it. You know, that guilt maybe has never seen that feeder before. So you need to keep an eye on her to, uh, uh, make sure that she knows how the thing works. And then the other thing I saw the other day was I saw these cuts on the bridge of a sow's nose and, and it was because the edge of her feeder was so sharp. And so kind of keep an eye out to make sure the thing is user friendly. And if sows are eating less, can't you do some things to just adjust the diet and make it more nutrient dense to compensate for those loss of nutrients intake? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You, you, you know, we can make the diets more dense, but you know, there's some work out of K-State showing once you get to about 30% bean meal, that that's actually going to depress feed intake. And, and and let's say, well, well, okay, so we can only go that high on bean meal. And if you add 60 pounds of fat, 60 pounds of fat, that only changes the energy of the diet by about 5%. And so you would think that through management kind of things that we could could change her intake more than 5%. And those management things is a cool room, plenty of feed, plenty of water, proper body condition. And, and those are the, the kind of things. There is some interesting work being done, I think at Clay Center, where the lady there is looking at the farrowing crate uh, design or layout because okay in in a sow wants to be at 68 degrees and this baby pig wants to be at 100 degrees and we got them a, a foot apart so so that's a pretty good trick you know that, it's a pretty good trick that big a temperature difference in that short of space and so she's looking at how that the 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 farrowing crate should be aligned within the pan and maybe we'd be better off if it was an angle. So one part of it was wider or maybe one side being wider so we can position our supplemental heat more wisely. So I think that'll be interesting work to watch because right now we everything's square and we put the crate in the middle of the pen. 
Tell me a little bit more, Wayne, I'll start with you and then we'll talk to Mark, but tell me a little bit more about some of the research that's driving what you're doing right now with sow longevity. Well, I guess I'm kind of, uh, this is some work that's been repeated that I'm kind of enthused about is that Wondra back in 1995 or 1996 told us that that grinding this corn uh, finer would improve sow performance. Okay, so, and then Hayden Williams, no, that's not right, not Hayden, but his brother Bo Hadley, they call him Bo, but his name's Hadley Williams, at KSU looked at 600 micron corn in lactation diet versus 900 micron corn, and the sows fed the 600 micron corn, ate more, weaned bigger pigs, and lost less weight, just like Wondra saw in 1995. So I, I like that research because we can we can we can implement that tomorrow. You know, we can do a better job there. And then and there's some more work being done, like in Belgium, and and in. And at the University of Nebraska and then Dove at Georgia is doing some too, where they're videotaping sows and gilts. And this goes back to what Mark talked about structure. You know, we all have an opinion what structure should be, but maybe by videotaping and and we can get some more objective measurements and less subjective and maybe have some parameters based on, on more science of what proper structure is. And Mark, I know there's a lot of research. I'm sure that impacts sow lameness. Talk to me about some of the more recent research or some of the more impactful research, including what Iowa State has done with POP program. Yeah, and Iowa State did a great thing with just measuring over time uh, a large number of sows and a large number of uh, client farms, et cetera, that were on this. Some were some of the very best farms, some uh, really problem farms. The thing that was driving that was the increase in issues with prolapse. But the more interesting thing to me is we've known for a long time how to help mitigate or reduce the response and problems with lameness. And what you saw on this, even though the survey, when it first started, 34% of the sows that died due to lameness. And at the whole end, after a full year, the ending number was 29% still died from lameness. Unknown was our largest category of what uh, people don't even know what the sow died from, never had her checked, anything. So this issue of lameness is one that should be able to be fixed. Lameness, the bigger driver that really gets you in trouble with lameness is this inflammatory response, whether it's the intestinal tract, they've got inflammation actually in their feet, if they get a disease, any of these things, no matter which kind of signal that you get, for example, TNF-alpha, if circulating the system a blood system, it will actually still even potentially impact the feet, particularly if they have signals that they've got a problem with inflammation there. So gut leakage would be an example of that. The more we feed to try to protect them from this inflammatory response, 
and feed a mineral component that allows for the thing that helps the immune system to be more active and not active, that it helps regulate it much quicker. And what it will do is actually get rid of that inflammatory problem. We know more and more about the claws. And if you get inflammation in there, the horn tissue or the keratinocytes that actually make up that outer horn, if they get damaged and you've got inflammation in under there, they will tend not to heal. You've got to get rid of the inflammation. And it's very hard to get antibiotics into the claws because it's very poor blood flow. It's a small amount of blood that actually gets down into those feet. We get that corrected. What we can do and prevent inflammation, now what you get is the keratinocytes become a much better tissue. You've got more durability to that outer horn. The color of it will change and you get rid of the roughness or the coarse texture of that horn, it means you've got better and better feet underneath these gilts. We're trying to get more and more people to understand, put it in early with your gilts, raise them up on through, and what you'll find is, we worked with that project at University of Georgia with Dr. Dove, and we actually demonstrated that after two parodies, the sows that were on inorganic minerals had a much poorer walking pattern than the sows that had a bela sow in their diet. What we also saw with that in third parity, more and more of those sows that were on the control group all fell out of the herd and many more were maintained with the second parity females were still in the herd that were fed the avalosile treatment. So we're looking at things that can actually maybe help control this issue of the quality of the horn, tissue of the claws, and to make that reduce this inflammatory response. Inflammation takes nutrients away from things like milk production, growth, reproduction of that sow, she has to take care of the inflammatory things first. The quicker you can get her to recover from that, the better the sow does in maintaining her body weight, body condition, and she can milk better for her piglets. Yeah. Yeah, and I would, I would say, you know, some of the work that George Foxcroft and uh, Jenny Patterson are doing up in Canada, who's showing gilts and, and how to improve their retention to P3. Because my assumption is if more gilts are making it to P3, that their feet and legs are better, their mortality is less. If there's more of them making the three, three, parity three, lots of good things are happening. And so you know, she's shown us the, the gilts that come into puberty earlier have higher retention to P3. The gilts that, and have more pigs too, and, and the, the gilts that are bred earlier at first services earlier have higher retention to P3s. And, and, and the ones that, that, were, that aren't getting so big that we're controlling the, the, or not controlling, but achieving a desired weight and not excessive, at least a minimum weight and not an excessive weight have greater longevity, make more to parity three. So Mark talking about 
this guilt development area. We, we, I agree that it is quite important. Yeah, thanks. Those are great comments. And the thing that I think is important in that is, is the more we can take care of those animals early, you're going to get a lot longer benefit from your production to get those animals in the herd. We're still better off not holding a lot of these sows way out to eight, nine, and 10 parities because they're starting to get behind on their genetic equivalent. And then we've got the issue that a lot of times our milk production's not as good once you get to the older parity females. Yeah, and then the other thing, it's pretty common to see death loss increases after parity four. As a percentage of the inventory, your death loss is higher in older parity sows. So Mark talked about the sweet pot getting as many to parity two and three and four, and I agree, but but you don't want six, sevens, and eights because their mortality almost always will be higher. Well, gentlemen, we've covered a lot of different topics and a lot of different facets here, but do you, do either of you have any final thoughts as we wrap up this episode? I, th- I think, uh, you know, Mark talked about how our average turnover on our gilts is 45 or 50% or 55% is what he said. And, and that's a scary number. And then if you look at the average turnover on our employees, it often is about that level. And it's still, I talk about the woman or the man in management. I saw something the other day that I thought was, uh, that, that resonated with me. So I was out in this gestation barn and the alleyway uh, made a corner there. And there was a rubber nursery mat laying on the floor in that corner of that alleyway. And we were a long ways from the nursery. So I said, I asked the breeder there, what, what's, what's that mat for? And he said, well, you know, when I move sows, that spot must be kind of slick. And, and, and once in a while, one will fall. But I put that mat there, and then they don't fall down anymore. You know, I think there's a lot of management, little things, you know, a, a thousand little decisions. My father said, if you're able to do something your neighbor can't do, or you're willing to do something your neighbor won't do, there's usually some money in it. And he said pigs fall into both those categories. It's hard, dirty work, so some people aren't willing to do it. It takes management and observational skills, and some people aren't able to do it. So we've got a lot of people, we've got a lot of turnover, and so coaching them up and constantly training and helping them I think is, is, is a big part of a unit's success. I'd make one last comment, particularly on lameness, and it's an important one to think about, is the heel of the, the, the claw for the sow is really important because it's the softest tissue of all of the horn tissues. It's the softest, it carries the most blood vessels, it has the most nerve endings. And what we find is, is particularly on a lot of these floorings and platforms. And if they don't get some of these, uh, you know, take care of the concrete correctly and stuff, what you get is more friction on those heels. And it's just like us getting calluses on our hands. That's what happens with that sow, just from that friction of rubbing on those heels. The bigger they get, the more they tend to start walking incorrectly. They'll try to change their pastern set, trying to 
put the, the more claw on the floor and so that they will do different things to try to alleviate pain. If you notice pain, the more things you can do to eliminate that and the more things you can do to have better horn quality when you start with these animals, you will have much more success with your longevity and uh, your uh, success with profitability of the sow herd. All right, I think that should be it then, gentlemen. Well, I got a couple other things back to that management part. Let's see if Mark okay. with those. You would see a thermometer, uh, a rectal thermometer in almost any farrower's pocket. And, and, and that after sow farrow, it was routine to take temperatures. And, the, and those with an elevated temperature, we, we, we would uh, do an intervention. We would get her out of the crate and walk her around, or we might give her a shot of antibody. And I don't see that being done much anymore. And, and I, I think that's a pretty good tool in uh, a pretty good in intervention. I think it's, uh, I think, it's it, for a timely intervention that 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 is a useful tool it is a thermometer. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Wayne. I and then think. another clever thing I saw the other day, and I think we've all seen where you've got this thin sow in in the crate, and then we've got the feed box set high, and she's still thin, and the sow on each side of her is is over conditioned because. They're, they're robbing her feed. They're stealing her feed. And so this guy, and it probably doesn't make any difference if you do it when you, you wean them or when you, or if you, or if you do it when you take them out of the wiener row and move them to the snake. But he was, he was, he was uh, putting them in there by body condition. He was grouping all the fins together. So that way the thin sow on each end was the only one that was getting the feed robbed from her. And, and the rest of them had more time to eat and, and were not as likely to be intimidated by the sound next to her. I thought that was a pretty clever idea. Everyone wants the most bang for their buck. When it comes to swine herds, longevity is that bang. Producers want to get the most out of their sows and lameness is just one piece of that puzzle. If you want more tips and tricks of the trade, be sure to tune in each month as we continue to talk about swine survivability and the swine industry. Subscribe to the Pig X Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Delaney Howell, and this has been the Pig X Podcast. Pig X is a national podcast hosted by the Pig Livability Project partners at Iowa State University, Kansas State University, and Purdue and supported by the Iowa Pork Industry Center. For more information on the project, head to www.piglivability.org or to inquire directly with questions regarding the project, email ipic at iastate.edu. Pig X, ideas in the swine industry worth sharing.